Hello, I'm Steve Corbin, and welcome to Revelation Health, where we open your eyes to the often confusing world of health and health insurance. It is our goal to provide you with the information you need in a way you can understand to give you the confidence to be a better advocate for you and your family. We are brought to you by the Kingdom Health Group, a nonprofit organization whose mission it is to help working families in the Pioneer Valley overcome the financial burden caused by medical debt. So a few a few years ago, actually, a coworker of mine mentioned to me how people often get you know pretty confused with what she referenced as the alphabet soup of insurance and healthcare acronyms. Honestly, I don't know if I could have put it in a better way because when we just sit here and start throwing out acronyms, everything just gets mixed up, and if if you don't fully understand exactly what each acronym means, it can get pretty pretty confusing. Um, and I know in the industry, you know. We'll just kind of just start throwing them out there and just we just assume that people understand it and we just forget that it's it's confusing. Um, so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to try to uh, attempt to clarify some of these acronyms and some other terms. Um, it, this isn't going to be an all-inclusive. I mean, there are ab- there are just a ton of di- different acronyms and terminology within the health and health insurance industry. Um, so what I'm also going to do is a link to this podcast. I'm going to include a a PDF file that has um, a lot more than what we're going to talk about. This way you can reference it um, if you wanted to download it and, and keep a copy of yourself. So um, so we're really going to, we're going to start off with some acronyms um, in reference to kind of health insurance networks. Um, you could probably seen a lot of these, but maybe really didn't fully um, understand what they meant. Um, so we're going to start off with, with the HMO, right? A good chunk of folks that have health insurance estate, you know, today have a, an HMO. Um, and that stands for health maintenance organization. Um, simply put, really, in an HMO, um, it's kind of a like a gatekeeper type plan. You know, you have to have your primary care physician. More times than not, you need to get referrals to go get care um, outside of that primary care physician. Um, and so that's a pretty pretty common form of um, health insurance plan, health insurance network. Uh, another one that. Um, and actually, around here in in, uh, in our area, we, we don't see it all that often, um, but it is something that is out there. It's a POS plan, and what that stands for is point of service. Um, so it actually works very similar to an HMO plan. Um, so you have an in-network portion of that. You have to see doctors that are participating within that network. Um, you have your primary care physician who kind of acts as the gatekeeper but you also have access to um, self-referred care. Um, but when you go access the care on a self-referred basis, you don't actually have your, a referral from your primary care physician, um, you, act, you will end up paying more for that. Typically, those are at a higher deductible or a coinsurance, um, which is a percentage of the bill versus a copay. One that we're going to talk about now is it's called a PPO. Um, it's actually pretty common. Um, it's a preferred provider organization. Um, so a PPO plan actually has um, two components to it. It has your in-network where you actually see participating providers and it has an out-of-network. Um, unlike an HMO plan, you don't actually have to have a primary care physician. Um, Honestly, I always recommend having a primary care physician. You definitely just want to have that person that, that you we talked at the last podcast about um, building relationships, right? You definitely want to have, regardless of whether or not your plan requires you to have it or not, you really do want to have a primary care physician. You want to have that kind of point person for your care, that person that you've built a relationship with. Um, and then, uh, you know, what you do from there is, is what you do from there. Um, 
And then within the PPO plan, you don't have to have referrals. Um, you can go see doctors um, without a referral. You can just give them a call up and make an appointment. Um, I will make a caveat on this on a PPO plan. Um, some physicians, some providers actually still require a referral. They actually will, even though your health plan doesn't require it. Um, we actually ran into this myself. My wife was trying to make a, an appointment with a dermatologist for my daughter. And we are on a, uh, a different, we're actually going to talk about the type of plan that, that my company's on in a, in a second, but it, it's very much like a PPO plan um, where we could self-refer, but she was calling the, the, um, the dermatologist and they still wanted a referral. So even though your plan may not require it, the doctor may require it. Um, and then on a PPO plan, you have this out of network piece where um, doctors are just not participating in the network. They don't take the insurance, but you still have the opportunity to go see them. Uh, a couple things that I'm going to talk about when you kind of go see doctors out of the network. Number one, there's no contract. So there's no con contracted rate. You're going to pay whatever they bill. Um, this is typically there's coinsurance involved. And what again, what coinsurance is, is you're paying a percentage of that, the charges of that bill. Um, a, a typical coinsurance on a, on a PPO plan is 20%. So that means the provider is going to bill the health insurance company. The health insurance is going to pay what they consider a, a reasonable fee in that area. Um, they're going to pay that, and then you're going to be responsible for 20%, right? So they're going to pay 80, you're going to pay 20. The other piece of this one is called balance billing. Um, and this is one thing where the provider, say they bill $500, the health insurance company deems the regional, what they call a reasonable and equitable fee. Um, they're going to pay, say that's $300 based on what the average payment for that particular procedure, they're going to pay 300. So you're already, they're going to pay the 80% of the three. You're going to pay 20% of the three, but the physician can balance bill you for the difference between the three and the five. So on top of your 20%, you could still be paying that $200. Um, so these are just things to think about when you're, when you're accessing care at a PPO. Um, the third one that I want to talk about here is called an EPO plan, uh, exclusive provider organization. In a nutshell, what an EPO plan is, it's a, it's a PPO network, but you don't have access to out of network providers. So you have a large national EPO, you know, national network. Um, but if you see a provider outside of the network, there's no coverage. Um, so those are the four common, um, kind of network based acronyms I wanted to talk about. Um, I'm going to introduce a newer term and, and this is something these, this is something that's kind of relatively new to the industry within the last maybe four to five years. Um, and the acronym is RBP and what that stands for is reference based pricing. Um, this is a, an arrangement that's becoming a little more popular. Um, we're going to have a whole entire uh, podcast episode about reference-based pricing, but I did want to introduce the concept to you today. Um, we're going to actually have a guest come in and, uh, who's pretty much, I, I deem an expert in this type of uh, uh, arrangement. But really what this is, is your employer, or you, you, you actually purchase health insurance with no network. And you work with uh, a company, uh, Repricer is what they're called. And what they actually do is they'll if you're having a procedure done or you're having, um, you're going to the hospital, what they're going to do is they're going to negotiate on an individual basis each time um, using Medicare rates as their reference, right? So that's that reference point of the reference-based pricing. Um, but I'm not going to, like I said, I don't want to get into too much of the details on this one because I'm going to dedicate an entire podcast episode on reference-based pricing. Um, it's that detailed of a, of a topic. 
Um, and it's just, it's extremely intriguing, especially as, as we're getting to almost a breaking point um, in, in costs, in out-of-pocket costs in the healthcare industry. I truly believe that reference-based pricing is something that, that can turn the tide of, of what we're looking at right now in the healthcare industry. So I, you know, kind of touch base on a few different um, other, you know, coverage type terms, right? So um, these are things that you may come across as, as you, you know, access and care. One is COB. Um, and what COB is, that's actually coordination of benefits. Um, and this is, you may get a letter in, you know, from your health insurance company asking you if you have other insurance or if you have Medicare or if you have Medicaid or if you have any type of other supplemental insurance. Because um, what they do is they actually coordinate with that other insurance. So there's rules behind the scenes as to which company would pay first, who would pay what percentage. Um, not going to dive into those details, um, but it just so you know, if you ever see the the acronym COB, that's coordination of benefits. That just means that your health insurance company um, is looking to see if you have another carrier that um, may be responsible for some of the the claim payment, not just their them themselves. Um, the other one that, that we see a lot and people may not understand and um, different states have different rules when it comes to this one. Um, so we're just going to kind of talk about it on a, on a broad level, which is COBRA. That actually stands for the Consolidated Omnibus Budget Reconcilia Reconciliation Act of 1985. Um, I don't know about you, but I like COBRA a lot better. It's, uh, it's a lot easier to remember. And what COBRA is, it's actually the, the federal law um, mandating continuation of coverage. And that means um, if you leave employment and you have a gap in your insurance, you have the opportunity, you have the ability to, to bridge that gap by staying on your employer's health insurance plan for up to 18 months. There, are, I mean, that's a generalization. There are different rules that can extend that longer or, or shorter. Um, but in general, it's up to 18 months that you can stay on your past employer's health insurance plan. Um, the only caveat is that you have to pay um, the premiums yourself. So you're, you're not necessarily getting the benefit of um, the employer percentage that they're paying. You're paying, a, a, typically it's 102% of the premiums. And that 2% is um, allowed under this law for the employer to actually administer the COBRA because they still have to um, submit billing to you and they still have to pay the health insurance on your behalf. Um, a lot of times Cobra is not actually the best deal for you um, with um, with the, the Affordable Care Act and all the healthcare exchanges and marketplaces. Um, you typically would have access if there was a gap and you didn't need to get that coverage. You're going to typically have access to um, purchase health insurance on a marketplace for less than what you would get at the employer. So um, I would definitely say if you're thinking about Cobra, definitely work with somebody, touch base with somebody um, to find out if you have alternatives to Cobra that are cheaper. Um, another one I want to bring up is uh, EOB. Um, that's something that I think we see often, but that stands for explanation of benefits. Uh, typically, in, in, in the past, what would happen is anytime you had a claim process that your health insurance company, they would, and there was a responsibility on your behalf or the claim was denied, you would, it, you would receive this explanation of benefits. It was a paper form um, and it would outline, and sometimes it's confusing, right? So it would outline um, what the bill was, um, what the negotiated rate was what your responsibility was, what the health insurance responsibility was, and what was paid, and what was due, if anything, on your part, right? Um, seems pretty simple, um, it, but they can get kind of confusing because sometimes there's 
um, the claims denied and there's a denial code and there is, you know, there's, you just don't understand what's going on. Um, if you get a confusing EOB, absolutely 100% call your health insurance company, have them explain it. Um, I did say typically they used, used to be mailed out. Um, but now a lot of the health insurance carriers, they're moving away from, um, paper-based communications. Um, all of them without exception have, ac give you access to a member portal. Um, I always recommend signing up for the member portal because, um, a lot, most of these health insurance companies, again, are moving away from the, the paper delivery and doing everything online. So, um, sign up for those portals. So you can get those explanation of benefits. Um, another term that, that we see often, you may have seen often, and, and I'm, you, I know I bring it up a lot is HIPAA, right? So it's H I P A A. And that stands for the health insurance portability and accountability act of 1996. Um, what we really know this for, and there's a lot of other things, um, that go behind this, it, it actually um, reinforced the, the COBRA law that we just talked about. Um, but HIPAA, really what we think about HIPAA is, is when we think about personal health information, right? The, the HIPAA legislation actually um, put in guidelines on what's appropriate and how to share in individuals' personal health information, which is another acronym we've probably seen, PHI, right? Personal health information. Um, so it actually put guidelines in place that said it can only be accessed by authorized parties. Um, it also said that you as a patient have access to copies of your personal records upon request at any given point in time. Um, cause believe it or not, there were times where you as a patient, um, would request records and they hospitals didn't necessarily always give them to you. So this is the, the law reinforced the fact that you are entitled to those. Um, it also, um, put, you know, guidelines in how, um, covered entities have to safeguard person, you know, personal health information, um, and then also guidelines under the HIPAA law about how covered entities have to report and resolve any breach of security. Um, anybody here in, in Massachusetts may be seeing this right now with um, Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare. Um, Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare recently had a cybersecurity threat, um, which required them to shut down all of their systems, and they're currently in the process of rebuilding them. And everybody's getting a, a letter in the mail telling you that there is potential data breach and here's what you need to do to resolve it. So, um, these are things that, that it, it happens. So, but under HIPAA, under that law, um, there are guidelines that they have to, to, to go through to, you know, communicate that to you. So we're going to talk about a couple of different other coverage types. Um, these, I don't want to assume anybody knows anything. So I just want to kind of go over some of the, the, simpler ones that we may see. And one is IP. You may see that on, uh, on, uh, explanation of benefits. And that just simply stands for inpatient inpatient. So you're in the hospital. OP is outpatient. Um, another one I get actually get questions on people ask, well, DME, what's that mean? That's durable medical equipment. That's if you have to purchase any type of a brace or, um, or crutches. Um, Durable metal equipment is actually an area where I think some of um, people that I've run across, they actually get surprised with billing on DME, on durable medical equipment. A lot of the health insurance plans that, um, that I see that we sell um, have a separate member cost share for durable medical equipment. It's not necessarily a copay, even though you may have a HMO where it's a copay based plan. Um, a lot of times they're subject to the deductible and then you have to pay coinsurance. So if something happens in, uh, you know, you go to an orthopedic doctor and they say, Hey, listen, we need you to wear this brace and it's going to, you know, you got to do it for two months. You're going to, they're going to tell you to go somewhere. You're going to purchase that brace 
and you're all of a sudden you're going to get a $250 bill and you're going to go, whoa. And you're going to look at that and hopefully you'll get that explanation of benefits that EOB showing you. Um, but it's not necessarily a line item that gets brought up a lot during um, employee benefit meetings. So I definitely want to make sure we uh, we talk about this. Um, here, we're actually going to talk about some, um, some pharmacy uh, acronyms that come out there. Um, and this is, we're again, another, another full blown episode where we dive into, to pharmacy and, and pharmacy benefit managers, because I think that, um, here unto itself is, is a major, major reason why we're seeing, um, cost of health insurance just skyrocket. Um, some of these drugs are just astronomical what they're charging. Um, and the way the PBMs and the PBM actually is a term you may, an acronym you may have seen. And what that stands for is that stands for a pharmacy benefit manager, um, and in almost all commercial health insurance companies, um, they don't manage their own, um, pharmacy benefit. They actually outsource it to another company, which is the PBM. Um, and the PBM is just layer upon layer upon layer of, of, you know, middlemen, so to speak. Right. I mean, you would think that it could be super easy where, you know, you, you purchase a medication at the pharmacy and you pay that cost. Um, there's wholesalers involved, there's manufacturers involved, there's, again, there's the pharmacy benefit manager that's involved, and each one of these just adds to the price. Again, I, I could go on for, for 45 minutes talking about um, what, what I talk about as being the, the pharmacy benefit manager scam, because I just think it is, is an easy way to do it. Um, but so PBM stands for pharmacy benefit manager. That's the individual company that's outsourced from your health insurance company. So um, think you know, you have Blue Cross Blue Shield. They don't have Blue Cross Blue Shield Pharmacy. They're outsourcing that to like Express Scripts is a PBM or actually CVS Caremark is another pharmacy benefit manager. So they're outsourcing it to companies like this. Um, so when we're talking PBM, you may actually see certain acronyms in there. One is MAC, M-A-C. Um, that is what's called a maximum allowable cost. That's actually a, a cost that's set up um, on generic drugs only. Um, and then you have AWP, which is, um, stands for average wholesale price. Um, again, kind of going back to what I call the, the PBM scam or the AWP scam, um, because I do think they are kind of a, a little bit of a scam for lack of a better term. Um, average wholesale price is something that's pretty unique, um, uh, because you would just think, Hey, listen, the average wholesale price of that drug is a dollar. Um, the average wholesale price changes daily. It's, it could be a dollar today. It could be a dollar in one penny, you know, six hours from now, it could be 99 cents the next day. Um, and when the pharmacy benefit manager is actually deciding which price they're going to get for that drug, they actually have a, like a, a 30 day look back period. So they can actually look back into the, look at the most expensive point that that drug cost in that 30 days. And they tell your insurance company, that's what we want for it. Right. And it's really pennies, but when you're filling billions of prescriptions, annually pennies add up and that's all coming from our pockets. Um, so we talked about explanation benefits. The other one that, that, um, you're going to see that's out there is, um, SBC, right? That's a summary of benefits and coverage. This is something that under, um, Obamacare under the affordable care act, um, they wanted an easy to understand document that employers would have to distribute to their employees to explain their benefits. Um, so they put together this document. One thing they didn't deliver on is easy to understand. 
Um, it's an eight page document. It covers high level what the benefits are. And it is so wordy that you could just get lost in it. Um, this is where kind of having a, a baseline knowledge of, of some of the acronyms will, will come into play is when you're looking at that summary of benefits and coverage. Um, so. So last bit I want to go into under acronyms, like I said, this is, I mean, I could probably spend half a day going into the acronyms in health and health insurance. So um, I do want to reiterate that attached to this um, podcast episode will be a PDF um, that lists a lot more of these for your own reference. Um, but I want to talk into some um, that, that you may you may see, have see, or will definitely see. Um, one is an HRA. And HRA stands for Health Reimbursement Arrangement. It was like, or account, right? Health Reimbursement Arrangement. And what this is, is this is actually something that's become pretty popular um, as deductibles get higher and higher. This is really a mechanism for your, your employer to purchase a health insurance policy with a, with a very high deductible, but pay some of it, right? So they're going to actually bring the deductible up to say $4,000, um, benefit from the lower premium associated with a high deductible, um, but still put some money aside to say, Hey, listen, Steve, if you have a $4,000 claim, you know, anything over 2000, we're going to pay for, right? So for me, it works as if I have, you know, a $2,000 deductible plan instead of a four. So they're helping me out a little bit. Um, the other term is flexible spending account. I know in the, in our second podcast episode, I dug into what a flexible spending account was, talked a little bit about it. Um, but it's FSA, flexible spending account. Um, you're going to hear me preach on FSAs over and over and over again. It's, it's an absolute great way to put money aside for health related expenses. Um, it's tax free money. Um, so you're, you're instantly saving, you know, at least 25 cents on, on the dollar for your health insurance in healthcare. Um, the next one is an HSA. That is a health savings account. So an HSA can only be accompanied with what's called a qualified high deductible plan or a high deductible plan. So the acronyms you may see there are HDHP or QHDHP. Um, these two types of plans are, um, they're mandated by the federal government. They have to have a certain level of deductible and the deductible has to apply first to all services, including pharmacy with the exception of, of preventive care, right? So you go get your preventive care, there's gonna be no cost associated with that. Um, but if you do go to any other care, you go to the hospital, you go to uh, you know pharmacy, you're gonna to have to pay that deductible first. Um, and this is where that HSA comes into play, that health savings account, um, because the federal government, this is actually the only instance that I know of where the federal government is, um, it's a triple tax benefit account. So you put the money into this account tax-free. If you use it for qualified medical expenses and qualified medical expenses include um, med medical, dental, pharmacy, vision expenses, and some over-the-counter um, drugs as well. Um, there's a whole, what they call 213D expenses. It's, it's a whole list of what the federal government deems that can be paid out for an FSA or a health savings account. So, um, And then when you take the money out of that account, it's, it's not taxed. The other thing is it grows tax-free. Right. So even the, the interest in the, in the savings account is not taxed. Um, early on, this isn't necessarily an important thing because you only got a little bit of money in there and it's in a simple savings account. Um, but a lot of um, HSA vendors, a lot of health savings account banks out there, actually, once you get a certain dollar amount in there, they allow you to invest it very much like a 401k, right? You can put it into some, uh, some simple mutual funds. It's not like a, you know, like an investment account where you can go into individual stocks, but it's mutual fund type 
um, like 401k type stuff. So it can, it can grow. It's, um, it's actually a health savings account put together with a qualified high deductible plan. Um, if you know what you're doing and you're paying attention, um, and you're educating yourself can be a great way to, um, access healthcare, right? Lower cost premiums, putting money aside in the bank and it's growing on a tax-free basis. So, um, but like I said, we could we could spend the, the next day going over these acronyms. I just wanted to give you a taste of it. Um, look for the link in the um, in the comment section here. Um, and for our next episode, we're going to go into the details of that um, explanation of benefits. So we're going to dive into understanding your EOB. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, hospital and provider billing. Um, help you understand that. So um, in the meantime, I'm going to leave you with um, well, there's a reading from St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. So remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. All right, thank you very much, and until next time.